Hello, everybody. Welcome to the STEM Sessions podcast, the UK STEM Careers podcast. Today, I'm interviewing George Turnbull. So, George, if you would please like to introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is George Turnbull. I originally went to, uh, was born in Manchester and went to school in Manchester and went to Manchester University where I was a lecturer. I then left academia and went into industry and uh, the thing I've enjoyed most is I've uh, started and run three different companies. Wow, that's fantastic. That's a lot already to cover in terms of, you know, you've had a really varied career journey. So I suppose I'll start right at the you know very beginning. What inspired you to become an engineer? Well, there were several things in that, um, and I've looked back over these things because I was not conscious at the time. But the first thing was I, I enjoyed making things, but I wasn't, uh, you know, a genius with my hands. Also, what I found, because I started and ran a youth club, and uh, at that point I thought, wow, this is good being the boss and people <laughs> doing what I said. <laughs> so um, also I've uh, always tried to keep fit, done a lot of hiking and I um, do Zumba at the moment. <laughs> but also I'm, I liked and I was pretty good at maths and also uh, good at the sciences. So that was the main choice, although my main inspiration was my father. He was born in Newcastle. He had no qualifications. He met my mother in Blackpool, by some means. And so he became, well, he went on the shop floor at a big engineering company called Metropolitan Vickers which was eventually swallowed up by General Electric. But he rose from being on the shop floor, being a superintendent, and finally running a company in Scotland with about 500 people. So that was my main inspiration. Wow, that's excellent. So, you you know, there's a really good mix there of you identifying your own kind of abilities and what you found passionate, but then you've also got an amazing story from your father and uh sounds like he obviously was... Uh, very good at uh, what he did <laughs> to be able to run a company of 500 people approximately yeah I'm, I'm assuming that's no uh, no small task so where did you go from there you've identified that you know you were inspired to become an engineer and you did your things with your youth club lots of you know hiking and other activities as well mm. so uh, what was your next step once you'd kind of identified that well I had to decide which route to take really the college's was were not that prominent in those days. There were apprenticeships, but I, I did go on a trial one, and this was working with lathes and so on, which was not really my cup of tea. But um, I um, I did a re- research project, uh, my MSc at uh, Manchester University, and then I got into my PhD. At which point. My boss and his number two both left at the same time. So I was running a small department in Manchester University, trying to finish my PhD, supervising research, giving lectures, looking after a laboratory. It was quite, um, it was quite busy, and I like to be busy. But at age 30, I thought, do I really want to be in academia for the rest of my life? And I thought, no. And luckily, therefore, um, two people who I knew were involved in a startup on the south coast. 
So immediately I gave him a ring <laughs> and uh, went down there. I'm assuming throughout your career you worked on a wide variety of different projects and uh, in various different roles. Um, do you have a highlight from your working career in terms of a number one project that you're most proud of or um, kind of you know, a moment that really stands out as the best moment or maybe you have a few? Yeah, okay. Um, well, going back, originally I was just a development engineer and I worked on three different products. Now, the company was a very interesting one because it believed that the company, no one company in the group should get bigger than, say, 400 people. And all buildings should be single story, <laughs> which meant that in the morning you would walk through the production lines and into your office. And that meant you got to know people on the shop floor. And it was a very sort of friendly atmosphere. So I, I really enjoyed that. Um, the moment that sticks in my memory the most, though, is that uh, they put me on the board, the main board of the company. Okay. And um, they were talking about different things. So we'd already started a recorder company, Chart Recorder. By, that was Brian Chesel, and it was Chesel Recorders. We'd also started the drives division, which was John Shackleton and Shackleton System Drives. And we were discussing, because the company was growing quite quickly, what we should do next. And I stood up and said, well, if this company has, goes anywhere, you must have a total systems company. Because so far, all we're making is little boxes. <laughs> you know, stretching the point a bit. Um, and I came out of the room, and one of the four directors, who was a real thinker, okay, and he had studied why companies were successful and why they were not, Okay, and he came to me and said, you're very passionate about this, aren't you? And a very quiet voice he had. And I said, yes. And he said, well, do it. And I said, what, what do you mean? He said, form a company and do it. And I said, I know nothing about management and accounting. I'll help you, he said. And so I started the company and they funded me for two years and gave me factory space in, you know, in the factory. Yeah. So that company grew very quickly um, and it was TCS, Terminal Control Systems, <laughs> which I was very happy with. And uh, yeah, so it grew and grew. And you're asking him about the product. The first big system we did was making photochromic lenses. These were the first ones that were made by Pilkingtons in St. Asaph in Wales. And uh, they're graded so that you don't need long distance glasses and reading glasses, just the focal length changes. And then after that, they added the one where they go dark in the sunlight and light in the, in the uh, dark light. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so that was actually I can imagine for the time a really big innovation for people that did wear glasses. And it you really the, was. Yeah, you were one of the first people to be able to, you know, develop that. So that must have had a huge impact on people with glasses across, you know, the country and I'm assuming yeah. the world maybe. Oh, yeah. They're, they're very common now. Yeah. So what would you say was um, 
some of the hardest things about um, you know running your own business and what some of the best things the the best things I think are and what I always talk to uh, the students about in terms of reward in the system I mentioned I could go into that factory and people from the company would come to me and say that's a great system you put in it's really good we're getting very good products you know yeah. and that to me was the reward uh, and the second job, incidentally, was in Japan, where I went to their nuclear research, and they were trying to simulate a reactor runaway. Wow. <laughs> Just simulation. <laughs> we did not control the reactors. And that, that was hugely, you know. So uh, I, my career has been very happy. But one of the hardest things, I think, is balancing work life and family life. And I did not do that very well. I'm the first to admit it. <laughs> Just from, you know, being in, in the London Hub team for uh, for nine months, I know that uh, you're a bit of a, a STEM ambassador legend for us in London. Um, you've done, <laughs> <Is that right? laughs> absolutely, you've done all sorts of things and uh, we know that you're very active. When did you become a STEM ambassador, do you know? Um, it was. It was when I was still living in uh, Brighton. Okay. And... Uh, I was a member of the IET local branch, mm -hmm. Sussex, yeah. and they had STEM Sussex, yeah. in where they had, I think, six or seven people. Mm -hmm. And it was run by a, a lady who's very well known around the STEM world called Brona. <laughs> she was a very determined lady. And in the um, IET committee, there were three or four of us who were very keen on STEM. So principally three of us then uh, got heavily involved. And what we did, we worked closely with STEM Sussex. Mm -hmm. And we applied to the IET every year for a grant. And I think we got £5,000 for six years running. And that allowed us to build up what uh, STEM learning call resources. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so we would choose a particular theme, like climate change is obviously a big one. Yes. And we had a thing that we would take in where that they made wind turbines. Okay, it was pretty simple, you know, with a, a tripod. Yes. <laughs> and then... Um, you put the uh, the blades and the, the you know the driving mechanism, and uh, then they had to measure the angle of the blades, you know, mm -hmm. number of blades, closeness of the fan to the wind turbine, yeah. and plot curves and so on. So that was a morning activity. Oh, brilliant! So that's that's just one of the many things that you have done as a as a STEM ambassador, oh, and obviously yeah. there's lots of engineering and there's lots of maths that you've you know incorporated into that yeah. and it's also on a topic that um you know is only becoming bigger and bigger in terms of you know a global issue with mm. uh, climate change and uh yeah i think that's amazing that you're able to go into schools and educate um you know students on them different things of not just this is a big issue with mm. climate change but you know an actual solution with obviously you know being able to harness wind energy mm. is uh, very important so uh that I can imagine is having a massive, you know, had a massive impact. Yeah, well, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you have a favourite moment of being a STEM ambassador? You must have so many, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it, I've got one that comes to mind. Um, 
One thing about London is there's so many schools and so many people who are dabbling that, you know, it's, it's STEM is growing, but in a totally disorganized way, in my view. And I think the thing that's emerging, which I really, really like, is that areas are bringing several schools together so that they can then have a central office with people in it and all inquiries go through them. Yeah. And it's very easy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a very good example is Tower Hamlets, which is quite a poor area, but they've got 80 schools all focused with one central team. And that's who I've been working with there. I found that very easy. Yeah. Similar thing happens in Enfield. Okay. And we got this group there. I think there's about 24 um, schools in this. But I went to one at the end of the year and um, I'd, I'd also managed to get some money out of the IET for them. <laughs> and so they were having a, a, a day where there were tables and the children had to bring what they'd made and so on and so forth. And this te teacher who I dealt with suddenly said, and in particular, I'd like to thank George Turnbull for the work he's done. Oh. And they gave me a little medal <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> and a box of chocolate or something. But, but you know, that that is what it, that was really good. good. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, to actually give that recognition, that's, mm. that's fantastic. And it's great that they've done that. So, George, when you're out doing one of these STEM ambassador activities, are there any top tips that you give young people? One thing is CVs, enormously important. <laughs> and there are several things on how to write a CV you know that's a fairly common thing uh, working in the vacations you know anything's better than nothing so going into the working in a fish and chip shop even I mean that and people don't put these things on their CVs because they think it's not important or not relevant and I always say you know you must put everything down and explaining to them the differences between going to a college going to the university and in particular apprenticeships yeah i guess from that it's um one of the bits that you always say is you know it's important for young people to know their stuff they know what they can do at university and how where that can lead them to the same with college the same with apprenticeships and ultimately deciding um you know what career path they feel is right for them for that next step out of school and that's where going back to what we said at the very beginning then it's important you know to work at the weekend to do sport to do some after school activities yeah. and uh, you know to try and be the leader at whatever to try and determine for yourself what you're good at and what you're not good at and what gives you the most satisfaction and so on so george is there anything else that you um, would like to mention i know you've got your notes and things there is there <laughs> anything else in terms of you know a message for young people or any of our listeners that you feel is really important whether it's stem whether it's in life in general anything like that well i think we've been through most of it that you should make the most of your time you know out of school try and establish you know what sort of person you are and what what makes you happy and what doesn't so george it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much for coming along and uh yeah i hope you enjoy the rest of your day and uh yeah, yeah. thank you very much for all of the amazing volunteering that you do thank you <laughs>